Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Launching kids into the world is no joke, whether you're sending your kid to kindergarten or off to college. Some days we wonder if we're doing anything right. One thing is for sure, we all want to do it well. Hi, I'm Jamie, mom of four. And I'm Lisa, mom of three. We're here to help and encourage you in your parenting journey. Never perfect, always honest, and in the trenches with you. We're experienced, but not experts. You ready? Let's Let's launch. Lisa, talking about sex with our kids is very scary. Yes. I remember when one of my kids asked me a question. They had to have been about seven, six or seven. And my husband, Aaron, was out of town. And oh it, was the, it was one of my sons. Oh! And I, okay. had, I had previously to this question thought, well, Aaron will do all the sex talk with the boys and I'll do it with our daughter. Yeah. And this kind of threw a wrench in my whole plan. Right. And um, he asked me a question about sex. And I just was like, it wasn't something that I could be like, wait till your dad gets home. And I had a whole conversation with him and it was beautiful and lovely. And he was seven years old, you know, and um, but two things happened. I remember from that conversation. Number one, I remember, okay, as a mom, I can still have conversations about sexuality with my boys. Uh, It's different now that they're, you know, teenagers. But at seven years old, like I was a part of that conversation as well. And number two, it showed me as awkward as it felt in the moment. It wasn't that awkward for my son. He was seven years mm. old. You know, his questions were funny. Yeah. You know, they asked like, do I have to do that? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Remind him of that later, will Exactly. You? Yeah. I'm like, okay, no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but his questions were innocent and cute and just sweet. But what that did is it set the stage for me to be able to have conversations revolving around sexuality with my kids. Mm. That now as a mom to teenagers, I'm grateful that I didn't take them away when they were 12 and sit down and have a conversation that we was kind of evolving yeah do you remember like a conversation with one of your kids when they were younger yes i do and not because it was so beautiful and lovely Mm -hmm. it was awkward jamie i remember talking with my daughter uh so we had this conversation and i i was determined to have it because i knew she was i think she was like 10 yeah and i was like okay we need to have this talk because i don't want her to hear about it at school I need her to hear about it from me. Yeah. So we had this with this talk, and I remember we went to my office, which, thinking back on that, that's a little awkward. <laughs> hey, come to my office. Let's talk about sex, right? But um, I was telling her, and I'm a factual person. So uh-huh. for me, I'm like, I'm not going to I'm gloss this. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to be glossy with this. I'm going to tell her the facts. And I just remember <laughs> she held our dog the whole time. And like, almost hid behind our dog it was like a little therapy dog it for her was. it was yeah. a therapy dog yeah. that's exactly what it was and i thought you know this this is a this is good like she yeah. needs this dog here that it was very awkward for her it was yeah. hard to hear but i felt good because i had given her the information that she needed mm-hmm. because i also knew that a lot of kids when they don't have information they google it yes right because make I mean, assumptions right because some of my friends the way their boys had started into porn or had gotten into stuff is because they Googled stuff because yep. they didn't know it. And someone at yep. school had said something. And they're not Googling like, what is sex? They're Googling French kissing. 
or whatever term somebody exactly threw around at school, right? Yeah. Which you know, yeah. who knows what that might be. Right. I think one of the things, Jamie, that parents worry about mm-hmm. is if I talk to my kids about sex. Yeah. If I bring it up mm-hmm. more more specifically, yeah. then I'm going to expose them and I'm kind of air quotes yeah. expose them to something that they otherwise aren't thinking about. Mm-hmm. I just want to say this and then I want to hear what you have to say about it. I want to say that they already know about sex. Yeah. In fact, when when I asked my boys later on, like now they're in their 20s, right? Mm-hmm. I said, when dad talked to you about sex, because we had the gender, like uh dad talks to the boys, I talked to my daughter. I said, when dad talked to you about sex, did you already know? Both of them already knew. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your thought about that sort of worry that parents have? Yeah. I mean, I was looking at a stat earlier and it said that the average age that, that a kid sees pornography is 11. Wow. So when I always think about like, do I want to talk to my kids early about sex or not? It makes me think, do I want their vision of sex to be what they find on a porn porn site? Yes. Or do I want their vision to be sex about what their mom and dad tell them about God's design for sex? And so I think that rationale of like, I'm going to tell them something they don't already know about. There there could be some truth to that. Sure. They might not know at all. Right. But I also think our kids are hearing things at school. Yeah. On the playground, yeah. at church, yep. everywhere they go, they're being exposed to it. And so for me as a parent, I say, man, I want to get a head start on that. Yes. I want to I want to play offense. Yes. I don't want to play defense about sexuality. I want to play offense. Yes. And to me, I'm like, man, it would be like if I'm talking to my 16-year-old about what happens if you're driving too fast, like the things that could mm-hmm. go wrong mm-hmm. if you're speeding down a road here in my neighborhood. That's not telling them how to speed. It's telling them, if you do this, here's some dangers that could come along with it. Today, millions around the world are suffering as a result of violence, oppression, and extreme poverty. Sometimes this endless cycle of suffering can feel overwhelming. If you're like me, you want to play a part in bringing an end to suffering. And at the same time, I think we all want our children to have a deeper understanding of the needs in the world and guide them towards becoming generous and compassionate adults. But sometimes it's hard to know exactly where to start and who to trust. That's why I'm super excited to tell you about The Path from our friends at World Relief. The Path is a community of bold, compassionate people of faith who are committed to fighting against suffering and injustice in pursuit of lasting change with their monthly gifts to World Relief. Whether it's a crisis in Ukraine, an earthquake in Haiti, or a wave of refugees from Afghanistan, you can trust that The Path community is already there, responding with the love of Jesus alongside you and your family and your children. Empowered by the monthly support from the PATH community, World Relief is making a difference around the world, and you can be a part of it. You guys, I personally love the work that World Relief is doing with the PATH community. I trust them, and I believe in them, and I want to give you the opportunity to join as well. You can join the PATH community of monthly givers by visiting worldrelief.org slash launch. That's worldrelief.org slash launch, L-A-U-N-C-H. Launch your kids into life by leading them to love like Jesus. Join the path at worldrelief.org slash launch today. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. 
Ashley High Performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Yes, and also, there's a lot of misinformation, right, that that they've heard at school or their friends, because their friends have heard it through something else or through... A big brother or a, a cousin. Or, or like a warped idea, yeah. honestly, from porn yeah. or whatever. So... I certainly want them to know, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the right idea, like biblically yeah. and, and, and all of those kinds of things. And I'll say this, uh, Jamie, I I was exposed to porn yeah. at eight years old myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and Me I, too, in like third grade. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, from a neighbor, from a neighbor whose dad yep. had porn magazines. Because yeah. at the time, that was porn. That's how you saw that it, yeah. That was porn stuff. Yeah. Um, and I think... There are a lot of adults that have been in that space. Yeah. And so I think we've got to realize like it's it, a lot of times it's in a, at a sleepover mm-hmm. or but it can be anywhere. Yeah, totally. I mean, uh, my one of my kids got a spam on their text. Yes. That led to a porn site, yep. you know. And so yep. I think also one of the things that when parents are raising younger kids and they're like, OK, so you're telling me I should talk to my kids about sex when they're like five years old and my answer is yes, but you're not talking about intercourse. Right. That's what I think we have to also get get around is that like we're not saying like introduce your five-year-old, your six-year-old, your seven-year-old, eight-year-old to what sex is. Right. But let's give them language for their bodies. Because yes. also when people have, when there are studies that show that when kids have language around their bodies, it helps them know this is not okay if someone's doing this to me, which is a whole other conversation. Yes. But that revolves around teaching our kids about their bodies and yes. about sexuality. And that's the beginning of a conversation. So I think the problem when you talk about people think I expose them before they know something. Well, if you talk to your kids about intercourse when they're five, you might be exposing them to something they don't yes. know. Yes, yes. But if you talk to them about their bodies yes. and about how God created them unique and special mm. and he gave them a penis and a vagina and right. you say the words which that was weird for me yeah. but and, and not everyone does that but just giving language yes. to what our bodies are is really really helpful i think too as they hear from their parents where their where their parents aren't uh, treating it shamefully mm. you know what i mean like yeah. there's just sort of this tone yeah because so much especially with like young women of the way that sexuality is continued to be carried out into mm. relationships and even marriages and so yeah. forth is the value piece. Yep. And I, I think if if they see that the parents are weird about talking about it, if the parents are yeah. awkward about mm-hmm. it, um, you know, that whole thing is really... You know, it leads me to think about how I have teenagers and you have... Um, is your daughter 20 yet or she's 19, 19. okay so you Still almost have all twi- 20 year olds right, almost right, right. so all mine are teenagers yeah and so i would love to know what like talking about these things looks like for you because for me with having um all high school and college kids right. is what i've got working with um for me a lot of it is like talking with them about things i hear on the news or talking with them about stories that i hear talking with them about things with their friends i'll give you an example um i was recently talking with my daughter yeah and um, I asked her, this is kind of forward, and some people might think I'm weird, or this might make you uncomfortable if you're listening. I asked her if any of her friends, this, at this point she was in eighth grade, I said, are any of your friends having sex? Yeah. And I don't need her to tell me names. I don't need her to throw her friends under the bus. Right. I was literally just wondering, what's happening with your friend group? And she said, I don't think so, but some of them are giving, she used the term, 
can we say this <laughs> i don't know <laughs> she said some of them are participating in oral sex yes but she used the term that we'll leave out here but you know what i mean yes and so i said oh man and i used that whole conversation to not just talk about what god wants sex to be like but i did what you were just talking about is i used it to talk to her about like the value of her life yes and so i said what made me sad about that is not just that some girls at her school were giving oral sex right because i don't want to be shameful about that i wanted to pitch to her that god had something better in store for sex than just flippantly giving oral sex to a dude And so I think that's kind of what we're talking about here when our kids get older is how do we change the narrative to talk about what does God want for me with my sexuality? Yes. That's such a wise way to approach it, too, because I think the reason why we're not having these conversations with our kids is because we feel weird about sex ourselves. Right. I also respect the fact that, you know, you're able to have this conversation with your daughter and she's using terms I know that we're not using on the show. Yeah. But let let's just let's just go there for a second. That's the terms that kids are using. Right. And so if if we freak out as parents and we're like, oh, you can't use those terms uh, we're we're losing the ability to be able to connect with our kids yeah. in, in which that's where they are. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super important as parents. We've got to remember like we cannot freak out about these things that are really happening are really going on we've got to take our heads out of the sand and we've got to go okay what do we really want here do we want to be do we want to be precious and fragile <laughs> or do we want to have this real conversation that's really happening that is that is in actual time that yeah. our kids are dealing with yeah like this is a, a pressing issue for your daughter and her age group yeah and what's smart about it is that you came in and you said hey Let's have this conversation, but I'm going to be wise about it because I know my daughter's probably not going to want to talk to me about her sex life. Right. You know, not that she's not. But having I mean, one, I'm, but you know still, what I'm saying yeah. like, what if she was? Yeah. What if? Because many of our kids are yep. right. Okay, so you're coming in and you're saying, "Hey, are any of your friends having sex?" Yeah. So smart, Jamie. Yeah. Oh. Because like, that's the way you find out what is going on with them. Right. Right. Can I say something about the terms? I remember when I was growing up, and in my family. Um, we didn't talk about sex hardly at all. All no, I knew was same. don't do it. Right. Okay. And I, I started having sex when I was 16. So that's part of my story. All I knew was don't do it. Yeah. But I also always thought my parents were dumb about sex. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like I would have like never. So like oral sex. I would have been like, there's no way that my parents do this. And no that's way. not a conversation I ever want to have in my <laughs> right. entire life. Right. But. I just would have never thought my parents are so like they're so square and they're right. just lame. Right. And I don't I'm not talking with my kids about my own personal sex life, but by using those terms, I want them to know, hey, your mom's not an idiot. Right. Like I'm not dumb. Right. I think that helps them know to be like, oh, they know about these things. Yes. Yeah. That's such a good point because I, I do think that in young people's minds, and I, I know this because I was a young person, right? <laughs> yes. In young people's minds, you think sex is for young people. Oh. Right? Yeah. You don't think, like, at a certain age, and I don't know what the age is, but, like, at a certain age, <laughs> we actually had this off camera yeah, like, yeah, last yeah. night. Exactly. We talked about this a little bit. But, like, you know, at a certain certain age, yeah. you think, like, we don't, you, they don't have the sex anymore. They don't know what the, the new stuff uh-huh. is. By the way, there's nothing, there's, like, not nothing new under nothing the sun. New. Oh my like, gosh. this isn't new stuff. Right. Sex is not new stuff. Yeah. But I think we think that when we're young, and we, and obviously, we don't think we want to think about our parents, whatever. But you're right. It does show like, hey, I'm I'm still relevant in this conversation. I'm on it. I know what's happening. Um, we don't know everything. But 
that's another point though jamie i think it's really important to keep up um because one of the things and one of the tendencies with parents i think is to along the way get overwhelmed Mm-hmm. Um, also think maybe I can kind of take off the gas. A yeah. Little. And that's happened, especially when you have uh, older kids a little yeah. bit. You're like, oh, they're good. I can kind of, I can kind of ease up a little bit here. I would encourage parents to stay in it. Mm. Uh, do your research. Yeah. Know what's happening. Um, know about apps. Know about the internet. Like you can't afford to be ignorant about these things. Yeah. Hey y'all, Jamie Ivy here. I had my first child graduate from high school last year. I know it's crazy, but it was so much fun. And it was actually so much fun helping him navigate college. I loved going on school visits with him. I loved talking to him about what he was interested in. I loved going and visiting my former university that I graduated from with him. And I will admit, at some points, as fun as it was, I started to feel a little overwhelmed. I want to tell you about something in case you are in this boat. Maybe you have a junior or you have a senior, which I have two juniors right now, so I will be doing this again quite soon. But if you have a student with college on the horizon, I want to tell you about a new website to check out findyourchristiancollege.com. Find Your Christian College was created by the North American Coalition for Christian Admissions Professionals as a helpful resource for your college search process. The organization collaborates with hundreds of Christian colleges and universities across North America to promote Christian higher education. When you visit the website, you can explore more than 225 Christian college options through the school search engine, filtering search results based on things like size, location, majors, athletics, and more. You can also find and register to attend one of over 125 in-person Christian college fairs across the U.S. These fairs take place each fall and spring, and if you can't travel, there are virtual college fairs too. Also available at findyourchristiancollege.com is a free must-have online resource called The Guide to Christian Colleges and Universities. Help your student to follow their path, further their education, and find their future. Find out more at findyourchristiancollege.com slash launch. That's findyourchristiancollege.com slash L-A-U-N-C-H. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. It was interesting because I was just, uh, I was doing an event not long ago, and I always do sort of this um, funny kind of icebreaker in the beginning. Yeah. And um, so this event was, had women of all ages, and in fact had some, even some like tweens that were at this event. And so I do this funny thing in the beginning where I talk about emojis, and I talk about how for a long time I was using the peach emoji and I didn't know what that was. Uh-huh. And so everybody really laughs. I don't want to give away my whole joke here because what if I come speak and you can't hear it? <laughs> anyway, at the, the certain point I talked about emojis and I talked about the fruits and vegetables emoji. It's funny. It's very light. Yeah. I don't say anything overtly sexual, but everybody sort of gets it. Yeah. One of the 
moms on the second day had complained uh, about this joke that yeah. I told because she was with her tween daughter. And what was she was really upset about, Jamie, was that her daughter knew mm. what she got the joke. Yeah. But the mom didn't get the joke. Yeah. I, I have to tell you that I wasn't um, apologetic about that. While I wish that she hadn't found out through me mm-hmm. about what these emojis were, it was a good reminder, I think, maybe for the mom that this was something she needed to be in the know yeah. about. Yeah. And I do feel like, um, you know, this is why you keep up with stuff mm. so that you're aware of it. Because, listen, I mean, m- you can tell me, but is this emoji thing a secret? Like, no. I feel like pretty much if yeah. you're on the you're on your phone you're going to know about yeah. that right yeah. yeah yeah and i think that's just what you're talking about of like how yeah. do we not be dumb about things yeah you know um i think another concern that parents have about sex and whatever stage of life your kids are in whether they're in kindergarten middle school high school college and it might be more of a concern for you and i with older kids is what happens if our kids have sex yes and you and i both grew up in what people will call this purity culture world yep evangelical world where i signed all the true love weights cards i don't know if you did the ring oh i had a little necklace that my dad gave me yeah 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 for me even though growing up in that world signed true love weights cards yeah dinner with my dad yeah necklace yeah key to my heart yeah perfect um started having sex when i was 16 yeah and i didn't start following jesus till i was 21 but when i did i brought so much shame yeah because i felt like there was this one rule that you had to follow to be a good christian kid yeah well two really yeah don't have sex and don't drink yeah and so i think what can be scary for parents is what do we do if we find out that our kids are having sex Mm. and um i am have not walked this road yet but here so here's my very uneducated non-experienced answer anyone can correct me here we go okay is i want to be the type of parent who want number one does not find my identity in my kids sexuality Mm, that's good you know what i mean so like my identity as a mom yes does not change no matter what my kids choose to do so good so that's a summary of everything we've ever talked about on the show. Okay? That's enough That's for the whole show. The show right there. Yeah. But number two, I want to teach my kids God's design for sexuality because it lasts not just till you're married and mm. not just till you're 18, but it lasts forever. And I also want to teach them about God's love and grace. Mm. And so how do we as parents have a really high standard? Yeah. Not because it's ours even, because it's God's. God has a high standard for our sexuality. But how do we also pair that with like grace and love and mercy? Yeah. This is a scary thing for parents. I think you're right. You know, here's what I would say, Jamie, and I really believe this to be true. I think the reason why we struggle with this conversation so much, I kind of alluded to it earlier, is because we have not reconciled Mm. sexuality in ourselves first. We just really haven't. We have shame Mm -hmm. from our own past um, that we have not dealt with. We have issues from the way that we were brought up Mm -hmm. and the whole um, mindset of the way the culture that we were brought up in, whether it was in the church, whatever the case may be. Um, We haven't dealt with our own sexual abuse. Yeah. Um, And I think because of that, we are carrying this into the way that we are trying to parent our kids. And it's it's, we're we're broken. And Mm. so because of that, we don't know how to talk to them. We freak out when we find out that 
maybe they're having sex with their boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever the sexual issue is yeah. that's going on yeah. and, and it's tough. So I think we've got to deal with our own that's so good, issue first. Yeah. That's first and foremost. Cause how, how can we have a healthy conversation with our kids if we haven't dealt with our stuff? Yeah. So that's first and foremost. Uh, then I think honesty. Mm. I mean, we have to be honest. We have to be open and our kids are not always going to want to talk to us. I think sometimes we think like we can force the lid open, right? That's not always the case. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm telling you, when I talked to my daughter about sex, she didn't want to talk about yeah. it. I knew it was important. So I think there's a balance yeah. with um, pursuing the conversation, yeah. but not forcing it mm. to where it feels very um, aggressive. Yeah. So I think that's an important sort of balance there. Um, and, and and listen, I am a, I know you are too. I'm a proponent for like therapy if yep. we, if you need it. All of it. Um, and, and, and honestly, even just to therapy for you as a parent yeah. to know how to, to navigate the conversations, because yeah. this is a really, really big one and it's important. That's it why is. we're talking about it. Yeah, it is. And you yeah. know, I think you mentioned earlier that sometimes parents might feel if I experience if I tell them about this too early, I'll expose them to something they don't know about, right? Right, right. I think another fear that parents have is if I, and you were talking about our sexual brokenness, which, side note, everyone has sexual brokenness. Yes. Because we're broken people and yes. our sexuality is a part of that. So I think sometimes parents are afraid if I tell my kids about my own journey, mm. especially if you had a hard journey around yeah. sexuality, yeah. Uh, then I'm going to be telling them that it's okay. Mm. This was a really big fear of mine of having teenagers, of letting them know yeah. about my story. I started I started having sex when I was sixteen. I yeah. had been pregnant twice in college. Like all of these things felt like too much to give to my sweet little babies. Yeah. Um. And I remember when I told them, they all know my story now. But I was so afraid. Two things: number one, that they would think less of me, which is such just a lie from Satan himself. Yeah. yeah. And then number two, I was afraid that they would see, like, well, mom, you turned out okay, so I'll just have sex whenever I want. Yes. Yeah. That was a really big fear of mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which why I think it all goes back to: am I teaching them to just keep their legs closed and don't have a penis enter the vagina, mm. or am I teaching them about God's design for our sexuality? Because we said this earlier. Yes. God's design for our sexuality, it matters to you and I, who have been married for decades. It does. And and one of the things that I, I've seen, I think I've seen this more in like the last five years, Jamie. It's like, we want our kids to be a certain way. And, and let's just keep in the context of sexuality, uh -huh. right? But we ourselves are living a, a different way. Mm. But we're asking our kids to like have this other standard, yeah. right? not talking about perfection here like nobody's going to be perfect but what are we teaching our kids are we modeling things mm. are we are we are we in the journey with them yeah listen we're all being like uh transformed by christ this is a process for all yeah. of us and I'll, I'll just tell you just from a parenting perspective i've made a million mistakes yeah i, I think the thing that i am the most proud of is just having open dialogue with my mm. kids and maybe that doesn't seem like a big deal to some people but we're still talking yeah and i i think that's a big deal when it comes to sexuality i think it's a huge deal when it yeah. comes to sexuality because the world is continuing to talk yeah and i don't even mean like oh all the bad things out there i just mean like a different view of the beauty that God created us, man and woman, and and the beauty in how we can work together, and the beauty of all those things, yeah. um, can be so tainted. Um, and 
I remember when I told my kids parts of my story, I I knew when I went in to tell them, and I've told them individually at different times, what I wanted them to remember was not the things their mom did or the mistakes that she made. I wanted them to remember how good our God is. Mm, so good. And so I think opening up with your kids, like you said, this open dialogue, which is so good. Yeah. Because if you think it's good when they're seven or when they're 15, you've got these 20-year-olds and I could just cry imagining that life, yeah. that open dialogue. But it's a way to say like, hey, I get to show you the goodness of God in your mom's life. Yeah. And that to me, I pray that and I know confidently that God will use that more than them thinking, oh, my mom made these mistakes. And so I'm going to follow in her footsteps. Yeah. What if he? What if they ended up out of that conversation of, man, God is really gracious to his people. I think you've just summed up parenting in mm-hmm. a way, Jamie. I really do. It's always about the goodness of God. It's always about the goodness of God through our mistakes. It's about the goodness of God through the journey. And I think when we're not afraid to say, look, I, I've... I've made some mistakes. I've um, traveled through this, and you will too. And God. And God. Dr. Preston Sprinkle is a Bible scholar, speaker, podcaster, a New York Times bestselling author, and is the co-founder and president of the Center for Faith, Sexuality, and Gender. Preston loves talking and writing about hot-button cultural and theological issues with thoughtfulness, honesty, and grace. He is passionate about approaching topics that everyone wants to know about, but few are willing to talk honestly and graciously about. Topics like sexuality, gender, race, violence, patriotism, hell, politics, war, and what it means to follow a Jewish prophet king who was executed for treason. He works hard to challenge himself and others to read the Bible with conviction and humility while holding their predetermined beliefs loosely. We asked Preston to speak to this topic because he's someone we are all leaning into on these issues. Navigating the complexities of sexuality in this generation is completely overwhelming, and Preston always has wisdom to share. We're so thankful he's here. Hey, my name is Preston Sprinkle, and there's a few things that stood out to me about Jamie and Lisa's conversation. First of all, hats off to Jamie and Lisa for tackling this super, super important topic. Um, it, it is shocking that in 2022, Christians still you know, shy away from questions about uh, sex, sexuality, gender, um, but I'm so excited that they uh, not only tackled it, but did so in such a candid real, authentic, honest way. We need so many more of these conversations. So thank you so much, Jamie and Lisa, for tackling it. I want to talk about just a few things that really stood out to me as they were discussing this topic. Um, first of all, I, you know, I, I just really appreciate the fact that you use down-to-earth language. You didn't shy away from talking about oral sex. You know, you mentioned penis, vagina, porn, you know, and like, these are terms that even, even as I say them again, you know, like I, people get all like weirded out and everything, but these, um, we need to use we need to use the language that our kids are using. We need to understand what they're talking about. And if we can't even say certain words, then we... Um, we will inevitably 
give the impression that we are shame, shameful of our body parts, shameful of this thing that God created. And so we need to, um, we need to be honest. We need to be down to earth, you know, appropriate, obviously. And we're not, we don't need to use crass terms, but I do think we need to be able to communicate with our kids on their level. So I really appreciate that. that that's the first thing that stood out is just that, uh, Jamie and Lisa, we're not afraid to just use, um, yeah, real, just, down to earth, earthy terms that again, normal people are simply using in their day-to-day speech. So thank you for being just, um, yeah, just honest up front with that. I, I also love the fact that I think it was, um, Lisa who brought this out. I know actually Jamie and Lisa both really encourage parents to start having conversations with your kids at an early age. And I want to 100% agree with that. That is so important. And I love that Lisa brought up, you know, the, the fear that maybe some parents have that if we introduce this topic to kids too early, then we're going to be putting things in their mind. That's, that's not already, already there. And I love uh, Jamie's response that, you know, that that's, that's a, it's a valid concern. There are certain age appropriate aspects of sexuality that we should or shouldn't be talking about. But um, the advice that Jamie gave is one that I constantly give parents that, you know, you can begin at a very early age just talking about our bodies, um, name body parts, talk about penises and vaginas so that those parts um, are seen as a source of shame. If a part of your body is not named, that will send a signal that it's shameful. We don't talk about things that are shameful. Um, so if we don't talk about body parts early on, then that very easily can cultivate a sense of shame over that body part that like Voldemort is not to be named, you know? So I really, really want to endorse, uh, that piece of advice from both Jamie and Lisa. Um, yeah, the, I, I've read the same stat that they brought up that, you know, the, well, what, what the stat that I've read is that the porn industry targets, targets, uh, nine-year-olds that that's the age group that they want to get people. So, we have one of the most powerful, well-financed organizations in the history of humanity trying to grab a hold of our nine-year-old kids and give them pretty horrific and violent even and, and incredibly demeaning images towards women and sometimes even children. They're, they're working hard to um, put those images in our kids' minds. So if we wait until they're like 17 to have the talk or whatever, <laughs> you know, like we, that, that's, we just can't do that anymore. Not, not in an age where there's, where there's an internet, you know? So, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, start talking about this topic with your kids and, and also our kids will tend to view as authoritative the first person that, um, introduces them to a topic. If they, you know, say they're seven years old and, and they, you know, hear a conversation about sex and playground, then they're nine years old. They look at a porn site, then they're 11 years old. Maybe they're a sleepover where, you know, I don't know, maybe kids are experimenting or whatever. And then you wait until they're 13, um, to have the talk. Um, they're, they're, they're going to see you as kind of like, Hey, kind of missed the boat. Like I'm going to go back to my, uh, friend <laughs> who I first heard about this from. So parent, if as parents, we want to establish ourselves as an authoritative voice in this topic. And to do that, we definitely need to be uh, the first ones to have this conversation with them. Um, I love, 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 uh, Jamie's emphasis on kind of de-shaming sex. That, that's such a huge roadblock to a healthy, 
Christ-centered view of sexuality is that there's so much shame that surrounds the topic, shame over our bodies, shame over maybe things we've done, things we've seen or said, or things we just overhear from other people. Um, there's so much shame that surrounds sex. And when we're when we're filled with shame, we don't go to Jesus. We run from Jesus as we saw with Adam and Eve in the garden. So we um, need to, yes, absolutely teach a Christian vision for um, what, how God has designed our sexual bodies, but we also need to talk about the cross and forgiveness and grace when, um, not if, but when we do fall short of that standard. So, so I just, yeah, can't emphasize that enough. Thank you so much, Jamie and Lisa for bringing that up. I also love, um, the whole nature of Jamie and Lisa's conversation was trying to cultivate rhythms of conversations around sex and sexuality. Not, you know, I've heard someone say, you know, it's better that it's a much better to have 100 one minute talks than one 100 minute talk, you know, rather than kind of sitting down and having that awkward, you know, talk and you're sweating and they're sweating and they can't wait to get out of the room. Just from an early age, just make the topic of sex and sexuality, just not a taboo thing. This is just part of, you know, we talk about food, we talk about baseball, we talk about sex, we talk about church, we talk, you know, it's just, it's just part of the rhythm of life, you know? Um, And I think that that will cultivate an environment where kids will be more prone to come to us with questions as they begin to have more and more questions about it. But they know that like they had that, that one-off weird talk with their parent, uh, they're not going to want to go back to that. Um, that's just kind of awkward, you know? So building in rhythms of conversations about sex and sexuality. So, um, you know, the only thing I would have loved to have seen Jamie and Lisa talk about is um, uh, LGBTQ experiences. Um, and this is something that I've uh, encountered quite a bit recently that a lot of kids, um, when they uh, come out as gay or trans or whatever, that they almost always say, you know, when my parents were talking to us about sex, the ones that did, um, they just kind of assumed that I wouldn't have this experience. Um, but according to the latest statistic in, in uh, January 2022, the Gallup poll, 20.8%, one out of every five of Gen Z identifies as LGBTQ. So this is no longer like the three or 4% that we often heard growing up. I mean, this is a, a growing minority, but still a very growing um percentage of kids who are identifying as LGBTQ and what that means in the long run, you know, that that's a whole nother conversation, but at the very least they are exploring things. They are, um, uh, you know, identifying in certain ways. And if we pretend like that experience is just off the table or that's, you know, some fringe thing that we don't even need to talk about, that's not going to be helpful. Even if our kid doesn't end up identifying as LGBTQ, a lot of their friends are. So if we kind of assume that, oh, you're a girl, so when you like a boy, or but you're a boy, so when you like a girl, like it's just assuming that they are um, straight and always will be straight and will never have any kind of same-sex sexual desire. Um, if we assume that, then for the one out of every five of your kids listening um, for the one out of every five, when they don't have that experience, they're going to probably not go to you with that experience. They're going to go elsewhere because you've kind of given the impression that this thing doesn't even exist or doesn't apply to them. So naturally they're not going to come to you. So I don't want to say, you know, just doesn't need to be like up in the air, like, you know, maybe you're gay, maybe you're straight or whatever, but just, you know, talking in more general terms, like rather than, you know, your daughter, 
coaching her daughter, like, you know, when you like a boy, just say, you know, when you're interested in, in a person. And, and I would couple that with absolutely instilling God's vision that um, sex belongs within marriage and marriage is between a man and a woman. So I think holding that attention, you know, like um, laying out God's vision for what marriage is, what sex is for, um, but also giving space that they might have a, um, a, a different kind of sexual experience. And if that is something they go through, I absolutely want them to come to me as a parent. So thank you again, Jamie and Lisa. Fantastic episode. I'm so glad you're doing this. I hope you do many more of these conversations in the future. Launch is a production of Ivy Media Podcast. Executive producer is Jamie Ivy. Produced and edited by Angie Elkins. Art by Noel Rhodes. Original music by Matt Graham. Your co-hosts are myself, Jamie Ivy, and Lisa Whittle. Thank you for listening. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.